All right, everybody, welcome to the WWE Podcast Week in Review. As we look forward to WrestleMania Backlash, we now are starting to see the card take shape. We've got a few confirmed matches that are going to take place on that show, including Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair in an I Quit match, the Tag Team Title Unification match, Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes Part 2, among some others. So, guys, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about where the WWE stands, and we're going to talk about a little bit more. I've got some stuff I want to announce at the beginning of the show, so you're not going to want to miss this. Let's get it all going right after this. This episode is brought to you in part by the No Disclosure Podcast. No Disclosure is an irreverent, insane commentary on the weirdest news events all around the world. Your host, Billy Dean Shoemate Third, takes us through what is happening on our little rock and exposes the absurdity of the hard-to-find underbelly that we don't hear reported every day. But what strangely seems far more important, hilarious and guaranteed to increase your personal sense of fanciness, No Disclosure is the go-to podcast for the real news and saying out loud what we all think. You can hear the show everywhere. Podcasts are available from Spotify to iHeartRadio to Apple Podcasts, all the way to Anchor and Stitcher. If you are a horse's mouth kind of guy, head to Asylum817.com to visit them on the web. Again, that's Asylum, A-S-Y-L-U-M, 817.com to visit them on the web. Otherwise, go check out their podcast. It's the No Disclosure Podcast. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. Lucky, let's, let's go to Play more. Play more. Oh, Austin 316 says I just ripped your ass. This is my honor. You're going to acknowledge me. All right, everybody, welcome to the WWE Podcast Week in Review. Welcome to our flagship show for the week on this Sunday. April 17th, 2022. Happy Easter to all all of you that do celebrate and to those that don't. Well, I guess it's just another Sunday for you. Um, and we've got a we've got a lot to dive into as always every single week as we kind of recap the week. We look at a lot of smackdown. It's very smackdown heavy driven show given that we have an already play-by-play so to speak show for running at Raw that we do. And so we're going to get into a lot of smackdown which you can catch our in-depth SmackDown review from our co-hosts of John and Mike, who do a great job on our uh, on our review, and they they post it right away on Saturday morning, so you guys get to hear it bright and early, and uh, that's no exception this week. So check that out. But uh, we're going to get into all of the good and bad for this week in WWE as we are on the path to uh, WrestleMania backlash, and that comes to us on May eighth, twenty twenty two. Now. Uh, there is actually going to be a SmackDown. SmackDown actually airs in my hometown of Albany next week. And you may be shocked to hear I'm actually not going to be attending. Uh, it's uh, I just I've got family commitments and other things. I just I cannot miss. But um, yeah, it, I, I will say if, if there was like, you know, a big appearance, like if I knew The Rock was going to be there or something, right, I, I may be able to shift things and, and tell my prior commitments. Hey, listen. Uh, I've got pro wrestling to attend. I can't do this, you know. So, but I'm actually not going to be in attendance. You'd imagine that I would. I would, given I have a podcast and that SmackDown, especially the live version, not a house show, doesn't come around around very often. Uh, but I will not be there. So sadly, if if something big happens, I'm going to be really, really pissed off. And and I did this once before where I did have prior commitments, 
and it was in late night in the late nineties. And when it ended up happening, Oh, you know, the biggest moment in raw history that was voted on by the audience. Uh, and that was stone cold, Steve Austin bringing in the beer truck and giving them, giving the corporation a beer bath. And then subsequently that night facing Paul white, as he was then now uh, known, then he wasn't yet the big show and using his real name. And he ended up facing Paul White, hit him with three chair shots, hit a stunner, and uh, beat Paul White that night. And so (laughs) I have a really bad taste in my mouth, even though that was, what, like 20 years ago, 20-some years ago. I still am – I have a bitter taste that I can never get that moment back. And so hopefully – Nothing of that significance will happen next week. I know I'll be missing a lumberjack match between Sami Zayn and Drew McIntyre. I I, I think there's there's another match that's announced. I can't remember what it is, uh, but yeah. So it doesn't seem like anything epic, and I'll be very angry if something big happens. So I'm actually vo- I'm hoping for the most snooze fest of all time, the biggest snooze fest SmackDown that has ever existed next week. Selfishly, so I don't miss anything, uh, at least in person. So. Uh, with that said, though, before we get going, guys, a couple of really uh, cool announcements. Well, number one, we have some new patrons. Okay, we have some new patrons who have joined us over the last couple of days, and as uh, as I always promise, I give them shoutouts. And Fritz has joined us. Uh, John, John C, who does our SmackDown review with Michael Ritter, is also now in our team here. And we also have Memphis Mark who has joined us over the last uh, couple of days and they now get to all enjoy our dollar a month tier, which means they get to also enjoy hundreds of ad free shows and the after dark show. That's also, that's part two of my announcement is that the after dark show, if, if all goes well and I'm not, don't hold me to this, that after I'm done recording the show, it's actually nine fifteen in the evening as I speak. We'll see if that actually holds by the time I end this. The magic of editing. Sometimes I say what the time is, and I actually don't end until midnight, even though the show is like 40 minutes long, so you can do the math of what's going on in between there. And so I will be doing the After Dark show, which is probably going to run 20 minutes or so, immediately following this, at least trying to record it. That's my effort to you. That's my promise that I will be getting one out in the next day or two. I've had a couple of people ask, and the topic I have a couple of... um. A couple things I, I probably will do two twofold and it's going to be <clears throat> a continuation of a spring break story or two, which the last one, I guess you guys uh, resonated with um, kind of sadly uh, and also awesomely. <laughs> uh, and and I'm gonna, I have another one that may, uh, may uh, make you smile a bit. <laughs> um, and then the other part of it is things that just like flat out get me angry. Like that may not get the average person angry. So that's going to be on the, uh, Patreon side of things and the VIP side of things on the website. If you want to join us on the website, go VIP and you are able to get in and listen to this exclusive audio. It's not available on our free feed. It's the After Dark show. It's only available on Patreon and our website. Okay, so that is the only two places. So go and check that out. The third thing before we get going is we have an interview lined up. Maybe saying, what are you talking about? Well, we have an interview and I, you know, I, I've had bad luck with this in the past, so I can't announce who it is because I don't want you guys to go, oh, it's, it's so-and-so um, because then if it doesn't happen, disappointment then will rain upon me and shame will be brought to this family and this household and I will be forever uh, just hanging my head. So 
I will just say we have an interview lined up for Wednesday, and the hook is that it's a former NXT, former NXT star. Okay, uh, don't it's it's. I will say I'm excited. This person you have, I bet you have heard of for sure. They were actually briefly on the main roster as well, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, I'm excited to talk to this person. I, again, I'm. I have. I don't think that they're going to do anything to you know uh, to to you know give me the the good old screw job or anything. I just in the past with other people that have come on the show or have said that they will, it ends up not working out. So you will see a show drop Wednesday night, late night, uh, for not just the mailbag, which is going to be a whole lot of recording Wednesday night, but also uh, hopefully for this interview that I'm going to be doing earlier in the night. Anyway, uh, so check that out. I'm very excited about that. And um, so moving on here, guys, I, w- I want to gi- dive into what is going on right now in WWE. And it's WrestleMania backlash. We are in the WrestleMania hangover season. And every time we come around this time of the year, it's depressing. It's it's it's, it's a, It has that sad feeling to it, but it also has a sense of renewal right? You usually have a lot of new things starting, I guess, very apropos for springtime. And it's kind of like, I always feel like this after WrestleMania is over. It's kind of like a really awesome party that you had with your friends the night before where it was like the time of your life and you built up, you know, you, you knew it was coming months in advance and you had such a great time. And then it's over and you're left with just kind of your regular day-to-day life, which for most of us isn't the worst thing in the world, but you know, it's kind of coming off a high back to reality. And it always has kind of that, that level of depression. I guess that's the word for it, or, or just kind of um, smack back to reality that, that, that comes with it. And we have WrestleMania backlash. Um, I, I guess I've kind of been, beaten into submission of saying WrestleMania backlash because they are just, they're saying it. So whatever, I'm not going to get into a, a, a bit of a holier than thou stance on that and just say, whatever it's WrestleMania backlash. So that's how I feel about WrestleMania season. It's, it's, it's fun when it gets here, but in a flash it's over and you're back to regularly scheduled programming, regularly scheduled life as a pro wrestling fan Uh, and all the uh, closet fans all the ones that maybe you guys have as friends that are not really wrestling fans, but they always poke their head in the window to see who's at WrestleMania, what kind of big names are there. I'm sure that you had you have friends like that. I know I do. And they only care about the biggest of the biggest of the biggest names. Like, oh, my God, is The Rock back? Is Stone Cold back? Is Hulk Hogan back? Oh, my God, is are The Rock and Stone Cold going to have a match again? Is Taker back? Like, you know, you know those people, right? That only know the top tier and they only care about those the biggest possible moments and the rest of the card, which is like 98% of it. They don't know who is doing what, what's going on. At least I, I know that's how it is with me. And I mean, it is what it is. Like I, it's fine. I'm not, you know, everyone's got their likes and dislikes when it comes to entertainment, but every year it's the same thing, isn't it? So they had, they had a blast this year. I have to say with uh, stone cold, obviously as we all grew up, grew up in the attitude era and in school, it was like, you know, I was, I was in school as a teenager in the attitude era when it was actually kind of cool to wear a DX shirt. You know, now people look at you like you've got some, you know, some kind of, I don't know, uh, some kind of disorder or something. It's like, no, 
Um, you know, and, and I guess actually what's funny is what's old is new again. And sometimes the classic tees that were not, not cool have now come back into being cool because it's kind of a, it's kind of a parody of itself where you recognize that it's not really in anymore, but it's a classic tee that is nostalgic. If, if that makes any sense. Um, which I've noticed a lot of things that are old become new again. So anyway, I've gone on a long-term rant here. Let's talk into about Monday Night Raw and about SmackDown and get into the nitty-gritty of things here. And I want to start with, you know, I'm going to start with something that really, I guess, grinds my gears. It's not like a segment on Family Guy. I feel like I'm ripping off Family Guy. I feel like I'm ripping off Peter Griffin because I feel like this was an episode. It's coming back to mind. Anyway, as I uh, gimmick infringe Family Guy... I do want to say that I'm going to start with something that I liked and also loathed at the same exact time, and that is the Charlotte segment, okay? Charlotte, who uh, had an interview with Drew Gulak, and she berated him and put him in the figure eight leg lock and made him tap and actually say, I quit. (sighs) Okay, let's get to the good part of this. Charlotte is a star. I don't care whether you love or hate her. You don't care. All the stuff that you heard aside that she's ego, uh, egocentric and she is betraying her friends backstage, all that, which, hey, in this business, as they say, you make friends or you make money. <laughs> and Charlotte's clearly chosen money. And I mean, I'm not judging her for that. She, You're not in the business to make friends. You're there to make a bunch of money and build a legacy. I mean, so Charlotte's there for the very cold purpose of making money. It seems like it seems like, and that's cool. So putting all that aside, nobody can deny that she's a star and she had a great promo. I think on, on SmackDown, um, where she said that, you know, it's not in her DNA to lose or to, to say I quit, but to all of us, it is right. There are relationships, our jobs, our gym memberships, all of us can relate to that. Therefore, we look at this and say, oh, my God, you, you know what? And as Vince always says, oh, they hate when they use the, you use the truth against them. And there's some truth to that, too. Anything that is true that you try to bury underneath the sand that no one can see that somebody you don't like brings up, you double hate it because it's the truth. And you're trying to bury something that you don't like that is actually true. And somebody that you don't like brought up that thing you don't like. So it's kind of a, it's always a, a great, I think a really good way. And Vince has gone on record of saying that a great way of building heat. And Charlotte did that by pointing to the crowd and mentioning those few things, but said, you know, what's in my DNA winning. It's true. And the crowd was really on her here, really on her pretty hard about you tapped out, you tapped out, you tapped out. And she said she didn't, she was fixing her bra, um, yeah, that's obviously not even close, but it's a it's a very heel excuse. I'm not that's not the problem I have with this segment at all. And Charlotte's just so comfortable on the mic. She looks the part, she is the part, she is a polished performer. She's been said she's been tapping people out for 10 years. It's all true. Great stuff. I enjoyed it. And Drew Gulak kept hammering Charlotte about, you know, if the referee had been in position, he may have interpreted what you were doing as a tap out and you would not be here as champion and Ronda Rousey would be the women's champion. And she took exception to that and said that you've crossed the line and he goes to leave the ring. And here's where things really turned for me. I mean, turned for me in a point where this could be an after dark episode that I 
I, I may put in the uh, put in put in the bullpen, so to speak, for a future episode about the men on women violence problem WWE has, or more specifically, the women on men violence problem that WWE has. So she takes out Drew Gulak's leg, and then immediately proceeds to put the figure eight in on him. Now, Drew Gulak is not a huge dude, but I remember him with Daniel Bryan, and he won some big matches. And he was an up-and-coming star with Daniel Bryan, and I thought there was something there with those two. And he's got a nice look. He's becoming an interviewer. For some reason, he's transitioning from performer to uh, interviewer. Whatever. Fine. Uh, But the, the problem I have with this is, okay, Charlotte is a strong woman. No doubt. Very strong. But... Even a strong woman, I don't think, in WWE land, could outmaneuver and overpower even a quote-unquote weak man in WWE. It's just, it's not feasible to me, okay? Men have clear biological advantages over women. That's why you see a separation of men and women in sports. That's why it's happening is simple because of just simple science, right? There's... That, that, that I'm not getting into politics. I'm not getting into, I know some people are like, oh my God, he's getting into the transgender thing. Nope. Nope. I'm stepping away and looking at this from a purely biological standpoint of just men and women. That's it. Okay. And so my point is that there is no way that Drew Gulak couldn't have gotten out of that with Charlotte. Okay. There's just no way. <laughs> All he had to do, and he didn't, and, and she, he's just also sitting up and taking a bunch of slaps from her. Like he's some kind of just volunteer pinata for her. And he ends up not only screaming in pain, tapping out, but then goes through the humiliation of actually screaming, I quit for Charlotte. Now, I know this is supposed to be some heat generating segment for Charlotte. I know that's the goal because she attacked an an innocent interviewer from behind. But why couldn't this been done on like Kayla Braxton, you know, or I was going to say Charlie Caruso. She's no longer there. I think she's with ESPN or Sarah Schreiber. Why? Why does it have to be uh, Drew Gulak? I'm assuming because they if it was one of the other two women that are non-performers, it wouldn't have been a big lift or really elevated her because they're non-performers. And, you know, that that's. Does it, it wouldn't do much for Charlotte because she'd be bringing herself down. It would, in their in WWE's eyes, it would be like Charlotte putting the figure eight on a toddler, right? Of course, they're going to tap out and scream. But in this case, well, I, I don't think it generated heat at all for Charlotte because number one, there's not a whole lot of organic love for Drew Gulak, or at least not on the surface, right? Like people know the name. There was that brief stint that got cut short with Daniel Bryan, but I think most people... Don't look at Drew Gulak and go, oh, man, that's a star, right? And how we love him so much. So there's that. And I think it also would have generated more heat for somebody that's an established interviewer that's, I think, generally liked, like Kayla Braxton or, or even Sarah Schreiber to some degree. Although Sarah Schreiber's hair, I have to say, I mean, she looks like she's stuck in like, you know, 1996 sometimes with her hair. I don't understand what she does with her hair. It's It's very weird. Good looking woman, but her hair choices are very interesting. That said, I don't understand this segment other than, okay, it's it's supposed to get heat for Charlotte. Okay, mission not accomplished there. You also de-emasculate uh, uh, Drew Gulak for, for no reason. And it's also not believable. 
there's three strikes and you're out. It's not believable that she could maintain that hold on Drew Gulak. I'm sorry, it's not. Even if the hold was actually painful, which I'm sure it's not, you know, comfortable, but it's not going to actually make you scream in pain. That would be silly. So three strikes and you're out on this segment um, just because the, the the other part of this is, I guess, strike four is the narrative of men never being able to retaliate against women ever, even when they're in peril. And, hey, she could snap my leg. I'm just going to do it because I can't defend myself. Self-defense doesn't apply here, guys. Dot, nope. Nope, self-defense doesn't apply because I'm a girl. You can't hit me. Nonsense, okay? Now, I'm going to stick with just pro wrestling world here because I'm going to get myself in trouble if I don't. But in pro wrestling world, you are protecting the person you're working with while trying to make it look good. So why can't Drew do anything except sit there and take it? He could have easily, within arm's reach, punched her right in the face. But... You know that would never happen. Why? Why wouldn't that have happened? Look at the current culture. That's all I have to say. And I'm talking about like outside of WWE, the real world that we all live in, the reality we all live in. Imagine the publicity and the backlash that WWE would have with something like that. So it's such a shame because this is a fantasy land, right? Fantasy land. And we can't even play fantasy in, in, in an escape of, uh, of our real world because the real world bleeds into WWE. And uh, anyway, I'm telling you, I'm going to make an After Dark episode. Many of you probably can feel me trying to retain my my real emotions about not just this segment. This is just a microcosm of a larger problem that WWE has had, I think, for many, many years now about the, uh, like, you can hit me, but I can't hit you because I'm protected of being a woman thing. And uh, let me just first and foremost say, I do not advocate for any kind of domestic violence. For those of you out there that are like, oh my God, what a pig. Oh, what a chauvinistic. Okay, first of all, uh, nope. Um, this is a f- this is a pro wrestling product I'm talking about, and I am not advocating for that at all. So let's all take a step back. I know where many people are probably thinking, and that's not even close to what I'm saying. So anyway, after dark episode, maybe I'll make that my episode three because I'm getting all heated about it. But this segment overall, I think, was... It was good up until that unbelievable thing happened with Drew and Charlotte or Ronda Rousey was not in attendance. I would imagine that she probably shows up on SmackDown in Albany. And selfishly for me, I'm actually Friday night. I think I'm going to be going out for some drinks with uh, a buddy and maybe in downtown. I know a lot of them hang out near the hotel and a lot of them do sometimes catch a drink or two in some of the hotel bars and local bars. Um, and food places. I know a lot of them will go early into the gym. So yeah, maybe I'll find somebody local. And uh, if I run into any wrestlers, of course, I'd let you guys know. But um, yeah, that's that's about the only way I'll see them. Okay, so let's move on here. Rhea Ripley with Liv Morgan defeated Naomi with Sasha. It'll be a pinfall after hitting Riptide. And this is okay. As much as I was annoyed about that segment with Charlotte and Drew, this was a good segment. Um, oh, and by the way, Given that there's two Drews, you can be sure that within the next six months, Drew Gulak will certainly be known as just Gulak. How much do you want to bet? Not just because Vince is notorious for chopping off names of people and shortening them, but also the fact that, well, we can't have two Drews. They'll get confused. You know, so a guarantee. We should just start calling him Gulak now. I mean, let's get ahead of the game. Let's get ahead of Vince's warped thinking. And, and just start calling him Gulak now. 
uh, which, by the way, is not a great last name. I mean, can 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 he can he morph into something else while he's at it? It sounds like goulash, or it sounds like I don't know. It's not a very intimidating name, I have to say. But anyway, this match with Rhea and Naomi really enjoyed it. This was really good, and the crowd was into it. The announcers got us into it. Uh, the the near falls were really well done, and this is you know becoming a pattern with Naomi. And we all were hoping that prior to WrestleMania, when she had that really good career defining women's championship match against Charlotte Flair, that maybe she's going to be added to that women's match with, uh, with Ronda Rousey. And that didn't happen. I didn't think it would. Some people did. And I see why, because she made a hell of a case for it. But Naomi now is really like, she's, she's (laughs) consistently good. And consistently showing you that she can be main event level. And I think that, honestly, if they wanted to stick the belt on her, I would have no problem with that. It, it'd be, I think it would be an infinitely better choice than uh, Ronda Rousey. Naomi has a longstanding tenure, respected veteran, is a former uh, women's champion. She went into WrestleMania in Orlando at WrestleMania 33 as champion. She has a gimmick that catches on catchy music, a decent promo. I wouldn't say she's the best. She's, she's adequate. I'd say, I mean, she's, she's never knocked my socks off with a promo. She's got all the tools. She's got the tenure. She's got the respect. Honestly, like why would you not go with somebody that you can build from instead of this MMA star? That's no longer an MMA star that decides to spend most of her time, you know, on a farm and raising her baby and then comes back after two years and, you know, wins the rumble. I mean, nothing wrong with raising a baby, of course, or, or choosing a different life and on a farm. That's not the point. The point is that WWE doesn't need Ronda Rousey. They they should be building internally, not trying to make a case for why Ronda Rousey should win the championship at all. And if Ronda had the choice, it would just be the SmackDown championship. We wouldn't put the word women in it. Ugh. There's another topic for one of my after dark shows. But anyway, good match here. Great showing for Naomi and Rhea, honestly. Both of them, they had really good chemistry. Now, I don't know what Sasha Banks is doing. I, I got to say, Sasha Banks following somebody else's gimmick is bizarre. Sasha Banks already has a gimmick. And instead of the bigger star of Sasha forcing Naomi to change her gimmick to hers, Naomi has decided, or WWE has decided that Sasha is going to corroborate with Sasha or rather with Naomi's gimmick, the hair, she's starting to dance like her, her, her outfit is complimentary to Naomi's. It's, it's, it's very, very weird. I have to say, Sasha is in a weird spot right now. And it's not, I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just, it's just, I I don't know. I, I think that they don't know what to do with her. And yeah, she's a tag team champion. Wonderful. But again, women's tag belts have the, uh, you know, hold the same value as if I went to WWE shop and bought them. I mean, they just do. So, all right. uh, Happy Corbin. The whole split from Mad Cat Moss after he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal and trying to make it all about himself, at least according to Corbin. I mean, Corbin said that he almost kind of forgave him in his promo and said um, that he hopes or that he's going to be on his own now. And he was just my minion and that 
he's not going to survive on his own. He's going to embarrass himself. He's going to fall on his face, but no sign of revenge, which was weird. And what made it even weirder is Mad Cat Moss had a match next versus Umberto Carrillo. He won that match, which was expected, but where was Corbin? Very weird that Corbin didn't interfere after match beat down nothing. I, I, so I would imagine they're still going with Mad Cat Moss versus Corbin at Backlash, I would think. But they they almost kind of like wrapped it up in a weird week and just said, yeah, well, no, we're moving on. I could be wrong. Maybe next week on SmackDown, Mad Cat Moss is attacked by Corbin and, and it's, you know, it, it, it's right back into what we thought. But right for at least a week, it's, it was almost like Corbin was forgiving and he's just saying, yeah, he'll fall on his face. I'm not worried about it. And then moved on. So just kind of weird. And, um, but the other part of this was that, okay, Mad Cat Moss, I think had a good match. Umberto Carrillo is talented and, and no problem there, but the, the crowd reaction for Mad Cat Moss was underwhelming, or at least I, I was slightly disappointed in the level of reaction. It was like a level or two below what I was hoping Mad Cat Moss would get, but he's not getting really booed. He's, he's generally liked, and he, he is, he's just starting out on his singles journey. And the announcers, uh, Michael Cole and um, Pat McAfee, both said that, that you know this is his journey, the beginning of his journey. So, hey, for, you know, for the beginning of your journey, to at least have that level that he had of reaction is still a success. So, okay, uh, Charlotte Flair then, uh, oh, she, she had a, you know, what I just talked about at the beginning with Drew. Let's see, Gunther had a, pre-taped video package with Ludwig Kaiser and basically talking about that. He's just going to destroy people. That's it. Former Walter is going to destroy people. That's all. And that was fine. I'm, you, I, you know, you probably think I was going to set that up to make fun of this or be angry about it. I'm not, I'm glad they reminded us what he did and, and where he's come from. And it's, you know, at least introduce him a little bit. And boy, does Gunther have, and I'm not calling him Gunther. Okay. Those of you that are out there, think I'm going to say that are, you know, got another thing coming. It's Gunther in my world has a very, very intimidating presence. I said this last week. He looks like an old like German war veteran or war general or something. He does. He just has that like a very 1800s face. I don't know how else to put it. I mean that complimentary. He's got a very old school face, very, very rigid bone structure. The way that he just looks at you, it, it's all just he's got a great look and he's really good in the ring. I expect very big things from Gunther over the next year. Do I think he'll be champion over the next year? No, I'd say maybe in 2024, he has a shot because Roman's on an epic run right now. And obviously they have a couple of opponents, probably including the rock for him at some point. So Gunther probably isn't going to be that level of champion, but certainly United States are Intercontinental champion. If he's going to stand SmackDown, then the IC title is probably in his sights in the next year. So, all right, uh, let's see what else. Drew uh, Drew McIntyre versus Sami Zayn had they had a rematch since last week. Zayn ran into the crowd as uh, Drew McIntyre. See, well, see, I'm already getting tripped up. As maybe I was calling McIntyre as McIntyre was going for a claymore last week. We had Sami Zayn hightail it into the crowd. This week, almost the same thing. Drew, except this time, catches Zane, brings him back into the ring. He goes for the Huluva kick, ducks it. 
Then McIntyre bounces off the ropes. You think he's going to hit the Claymore as he's done so many times. And Sami Zayn again escapes back into the crowd. He then is confronted by Adam Pierce, who tells him that next week you can't run anywhere because we're going to have a lumberjack match. So you see how the, the narrative is being built here, which I like. It, it makes me want to see Sammy get his head kicked off because we haven't seen it yet. And, and it, it's, it's a nice, it's a very, very wrestling one-on-one build, which is not a knock on this at all. They're doing what they should be. To me, the, the mission has been accomplished of wanting me to, wanting me to feel a way that is the way that they're trying to make me feel, which is I want to see Drew kick the head off of Sami Zayn, which is kind of the same narrative that they pushed for the last program with Corbin. He couldn't get to Corbin. He couldn't get that Claymore on Corbin. So it is kind of the same thing, but it works. So it's fine, really. I mean, it's fine. And do I think the Lumberjack match is going to result in an actual finish? Probably not. There's too many wild cards with the Lumberjack match. There's too much that could happen. People that go rogue. There's no There's no rules in a Lumberjack match, by the way, uh, which is weird. And then I think it'll eventually um, culminate in a cage match. Probably a backlash, which, again, is a silly narrative because the, the cage match has proven time and time and time again that it is not indeed uh, successful in executing its purpose that it was built for, which is supposed to, well, you can't escape. You can't go anywhere. You can't which is a bunch of nonsense. Nobody can interfere in a cage match, which 95% of the time people interfere or it exactly undermines the very purpose of what a cage match is for by people escaping or whatever. So I'm guessing it will probably be a cage match at, um, at the next pay-per-view or the next premium live event. Probably they could also go with a Punjabi prison match. God help us. I'm joking halfway. They could go with like a Texas bull rope match or, a, you know, they're tied to each other kind of match. I think that's what it is. Texas bull rope match where they're both tied to each other. They could go with that as well. Uh, or a dog collar match for those AEW fans out there. But that's probably where they'll go. Like Sammy will somehow again escape. Drew will hit several claymores on some of the lumberjacks that have been screwing with him during the match. So at least he'll get to see a few claymores. But the uh, payoff won't come until the... Uh, the match stipulation of Texas Boro cage match. One of those uh, that is going to uh, happen probably at backlash. All right. The intercontinental championship, Ricochet versus Jinder Mahal with Shanky. Did anybody really expect Jinder Mahal to win this? I mean, Jinder Mahal has even gotten a promo. I don't think in weeks, if he has, it's been brief and outside of, uh, you know, Drew McIntyre destroying his motorcycle a few months ago or last it's almost been a year has been that long Jeez, probably that's the last significant program that Jinder Mahal was involved in was with Drew McIntyre probably six months ago I want to say so uh yeah anyway it was a fine match the shooting star pressed by Ricochet was good I'm if that's going to be his finish from now on I hope it is because the 450 is a much more high risk move that is is a lot less forgiving if you miss uh you know miss your mark so to speak and uh so i if the shooting star press is indeed going to be in his finish i'm all for that transition simply for the health and safety of ricochet himself yeah the 450 splash is more fireworksy and more impressive to look at and and all that but to me i mean if i'm going to put the health and safety of the wrestlers first then i would have him transition and, and this could be it 
Now, the other thing that ruins ruins me, the other thing that concerns me about Ricochet, and I've said this since I've watched him work, which is he's an, an incredible worker. I think he's more of a gymnast than an actual wrestler, so to speak. But you can make that case for a lot of guys on the roster in the, in the entire industry. But the one thing that concerns me, particularly with Ricochet's style, is his longevity, his durability, um, the the unnecessary increase of risk of serious injury that he puts himself and the people he works with on a daily basis because of his style. Now, I'm not saying he's a sloppy worker. I'm not saying that he's you know, a, a, a menace or a, a, an unnecessary liability in the ring. It's not that, but you're, he's a human being and human beings make mistakes, i.e. human error. And sooner or later, I think that the, his style is going to come back to bite him. I'm not saying he's going to get paralyzed or kill somebody or paralyze somebody else or kill somebody else. I mean, of course, that's always a risk, sadly, but he could end up at the end of his life or end of, end of his career, rather, have more problems with his body than 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 needed because of all the unnecessary massive bumps he's taken and everything else. So I just uh, I know that a lot of fans selfishly like that kind of a style that Ricochet presents because it's so insanely superhuman and he is an incredible athlete. But you have to look at it from also the sadly the human perspective uh, of like his life after this. And I think he he his shelf life with this type of a style is it's going to catch up with him and it is going to guarantee him having a shorter shelf life than somebody who is a ground and pound type of guy. Now it may get him over quicker, but it may not get him to the level he wants with the sacrifice he's providing. Anyway, long story short, I know I go, see, I go on these damn tangents. The match with the uh, gender was fine. Ricochet retains the IC title. It's fine. That's all. Butch then had a little bit of friction with Seamus and Rich Holland during an interview and Butch then went missing, and he went to attack the New Day, which ended up being just a massive brawl between uh, Ridge Holland and Butch and Kofi and Woods and Sheamus, and it was a pull apart. I will say this. As much as I can't stand the New Day, everybody knows that, it's particularly Kofi Kingston, who's the absolute worst, they at least have some new opponents to work with. Like, they're not working with the Usos for the 900th time, Right. They have fresh blood to work with. And it also helps elevate this group of whatever name they come up with. So no problem. I really don't have a problem with it as much as I don't want Kofi ever speaking on a TV screen again. It still is fine. Okay. Then we get Lacey Evans. Um, I, I will get to the um, the main event here of Riddle versus Jimmy Uso in a minute. But uh, la- the second before last is Lacey Evans. She opened up about her abusive father, his mental health problems, and how um, she had to work on like a work on a farm and you know clean up the chicken coop. And if it wasn't cleaned up just right, that his her dad would lock her in there, and you know just just really kind of crazy stuff. It, you know, I said last week that this was the most I felt for Lacey Evans in two minutes than I have for her entire career, and I still stand by that. I also. It's kind of, I don't know, just kind of a sickly in my mind. I'm wondering, is she making part of this up just to make us feel right? I mean, I, I would hope not. I, if everything she's saying is true and I'm still going to take her at face value, 
then it's sad, but it's also a great way to bring the crowd on your side and make her make everyone forget the uh, character you were before. It's a, it's a great way to hit the reset button, and I think they're doing a great job so far. But the cynical part of me also still wonders, like, are they? is she just making this crap up? Is she just kind of making this up to make it up? You know, I, I, I'm going to say no for now. But anyway, it's it, there. this is chapter two. I'm all for the slow introduction of Lacey Evans and re-education of her character. She talked about her in the United States. She's in the United States Marine. She's a, a, a wife, a mother, all that great stuff. No problem here for for other than my tepidation about is this is she adding a little bit of a seasoning to this story so to speak. All right, uh, okay. So we get to the main event here of Jimmy Uso versus Riddle. Good match here. What do you expect? It ended with a pop up RKO by Riddle, who still doesn't do it as beautifully as Randy. I mean, but will anybody do that? No. So th- this was fine. It wasn't a particularly long match. I think it was like six, seven minutes. And it came after Jimmy was briefly distracted by Orton, who was dropping Jay on the announce table. Riddle and Jimmy then, um, I think, did a nice... They, they did a nice job here. I think they did a really good job putting the, as much of a, a back and forth as they could have with the small amount of time that they had. And after they won, they stood tall and hold, held their belts up. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, we get the title unification match, the tag title unification match, which I've been calling for and many others who have come on the show been calling for for a long time. And I think it's a good thing, no doubt, to have fewer titles, particularly in a division that Vince very rarely really focuses a lot of energy on. Okay, on to Raw. And um, I'm just, again, I'm going to really kind of breeze through Raw only because, as I always say, there's a full Raw review out there. So me rehashing the Monday Night Raw review is uh, not productive for anybody. But here's a rundown, a, a reminder of what happened on Raw. Here we go. Vera Mahan defeats Rey Mysterio, or rather Dominic Mysterio via submission. Oh, that's right. And he put him in the cervical clutch, and he also um, just essentially wrote him off TV. That's a big two thumbs up for me. AJ Styles versus Damian Priest ended in a no contest. Uh, that's when Priest had kicked Styles off the ring apron and kneeled in the center of the ring, and the lights went off, and then... Just the match just ends just because, I guess. Uh, Ezekiel introduces himself to Tommaso uh, Ciampa, and Kevin Owens is on a mission to prove that Ezekiel is really Elias. I don't know. <laughs> Boy, Stone Cold Steve Austin to uh, the indie wrestler of Ezekiel. Amazing. Uh, Naomi defeated Liv Morgan. MVP explained why he turned on Lashley during the, MV- during the VIP lounge. And Lashley vowed, vowed to run through Omos and then go after MVP. So the payoff here, they've made it clear, right? They've made it clear that MVP is the heel in this. They've made clear Bobby Lashley is the fan favorite. Clear, I like clear defined lanes here, and they've they provided that for us. So I think the cat and mouse game between Bobby and MVP is going to be fun to watch over the next month, probably more between him finally getting his hands on Oma or on uh, MVP and then Omas is there to essentially be the uh, protector for the, the the brick wall so to speak between Bobby and MVP where you think he'll he's finally going to get his hands on MVP and then Omas is there to break it up right that's going to be the running narrative i think for the next month or two and eventually yeah MVP will get his ass kicked by Bobby Lashley and that's the payoff 
Theory then announced that his name is just now going to be known as Theory. Uh, and by the way, before I run through Raw for just a few minutes here, I, I have to say I did a video on TikTok. Go follow me, by the way, at the WWE podcast on TikTok. And there was a, a story that came out about Vince cutting people's names and how he wants people to not use their real names. And my thought was that he's doing this for intellectual property reasons because you can't put intellectual property on somebody's actual real name, right? Like, how do you do that? You can't own somebody else's name. The person who has that name owns the rights to that name. So I'm thinking maybe that's the reason. And I know there's exceptions, right? Like John Cena, Brock Lesnar. Of course, there's exceptions to the actual rule. Ludwig Kaiser, like there's there's exceptions. But um, I, ha- I had some pretty like, very polarizing feedback to that video. And by the way, I had like over 20 some thousand views on it. It's weird. Like I've been, I don't, know, I, I don't understand the algorithm on TikTok, honestly, but I had um, people very polarized on it. And um, so anyway, my, I guess the, the, the point of what I'm saying is go follow me on TikTok. <laughs> I think that's the whole point of what I was going to say. Oh God, I'm a shameless, shameless uh, podcast. I was all right. So, Oh, okay. The other big news. Beyond, okay, Bianca Belair defeats Zelina Vega very, very de- decisively. Not good news if you're a Zelina Vega fan. Sonya Deville revealed herself as Belair's next opponent. That is probably one of the biggest news for the women's division coming out of Raw. And Sonya Deville, who I think is going to do an excellent job on the mic over the next couple of weeks, and hopefully not hide behind her suit, by the way. If I see next week on Raw... The same thing that happened with Naomi about, well, when I'm wearing this suit, you can't touch me. And Belair buys into that crap. I may be out of this storyline because that is the most ridiculous narrative ever. And I think Naomi was really hurt by it. Her Naomi's character was really hurt by it because she looked like a coward and a fool for like six months. But uh, we'll see if that happens. But I do like Sonya Deville being in- injected. And I don't know if this is a an official statement by WWE saying, yep, she's out of the official's role. She's back into full-time competition, or if this is kind of a one-off or a test for her time will tell RK bro defeated alpha Academy. And then the Usos defeated the street profits. So you pinfall when Us Jimmy Uso pinned Montez Ford after the one D and that's when Orton got double super kicked. Orton hit though, the RKO on Montez Ford. So, uh, that was kind of, that was Monday night raw in a nutshell. Oh, and Cody Rhodes defeats the Miz via pinfall. That was the other big news coming out of Raw. And we're going to, of course, have Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes part two on uh, the next premium live event, which, of course, is WrestleMania Backlash. So that uh, that pretty much wraps up, I think, the entire week in review. I know, again, it's like 10 minutes on Raw and 30 minutes on SmackDown. But, uh, you know, that's kind of the way things go. Um I really thank everybody for listening to the show. You guys are making this show a lot bigger than I ever thought it could be, honestly. And uh, we're going to continue to go up, go higher. And that interview on Wednesday is going to be a lot of fun. I think you guys will enjoy that. Uh, I will be making an announcement maybe on Twitter or social media later about who that is. And I just want to make sure it's going to happen because, again, it's nothing on a referendum on this individual or the, uh, the team representing him. But I think that a lot of times things come up, schedules change, whatever. And I just, uh, I don't want to make an announcement until it happens. So you could just see something drop of like interview with what you're like, what? And maybe that's yeah. Or you'll just go, Oh, 
<laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I'm excited for it and hope you guys are too. And uh, again, continue or consider going ad free on Apple Podcasts, which you can do hit hit that subscribe button, click ad free. Or you can do it on our website, go VIP on our website, you get access to exclusive audio, including the WWE podcast after dark, which I'll be recording an episode right after this. And ad free everything and video as well as on Patreon ad free everything video and after dark. So um, and I also included a mug and a t shirt starting on the $25 tier and higher on Patreon. So uh, just a little incentive if you guys want some merch, but everybody, thank you so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of uh, WWE podcast with Anthony DeMarco. And then I'll be back after that with your raw review mailbag and the interview. So thank you everybody for listening as always. Take care. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.